What does art mean to you? Are you a spectator, creator, an enthusiast, or a critic? And what kind of medium captures your attention the most? Art is one of those things that supplies us with an absolutely endless array of variety. It could be music, theater, paintings or sketches, comedic acts, or something on the big screen. We all have our favorites, and some of us just love it all. But if there's one thing common and true to human beings as a species, it's the fact that we love artistic expression. Beyond that, we need it. Scientists have discovered art made by humans since ancient times. We are curious creatures, of course, and since we have brains capable of such feats as imagination, problem-solving, and critical thinking, the act of creating things has pretty much always been part of our basic nature. Now, much of this was born of a practical need to hunt and gather food and supplies to survive way back when, but what's interesting is how communal these acts have been throughout recorded history. We've used art to bring people together for eons, be it a village, small town, or even big cities depending on the project. One of my favorite things about living in Portland, Oregon was how much of the downtown area buildings were covered in murals and huge art pieces. And it wasn't limited to buildings either. Sometimes I'd discover these intricate paintings on the streets and the sidewalks, forcing you to shift your perspective on the world just to enjoy your surroundings. I never knew I could think so hard just walking down the street. Some pieces brought me joy, some sadness, and some of them forced me way out of my comfort zone, challenging my preconceptions of society itself. That's when you really know how powerful art can be. Coeur d'Alene, I'm happy to say, is showing real signs on getting to some semblance of that point. People here truly grasp onto art, and our town's events are indicative of that growth. Whether it's murals, sculptures, huge wood carvings, concerts, or lit crawls, there is true community to be found for art lovers in this town. Now that's great for everyone, but the real and often unsung heroes here are the art teachers the true art obsessives who teach our kids how to appreciate this ancient way of communicating to the world. My guest today is the wonderful Carrie McGrath. She's, you guessed it, an art teacher. She teaches kids one of my favorite things in the universe and I'm so thrilled that she took the time to sit with me and talk about just how this relates to creating a sustainable society. During this episode, as with all of my episodes, I encourage you to listen with an open heart and an active mind because we're talking about one of the most sacred methods of enjoying or sometimes critiquing our surroundings today. So let's dive back into the show with episode eight of the Sustainable Culture Podcast, Artistic Expression. We're sitting here with Carrie McGrath. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> Me too. I I, uh, I started calling Carrie Carrie Grant for some reason. I have no idea <laughs> why I associated with you. What, was that like an actor? Yeah. Yeah. An actor. Actor. A man. A man. 
I don't know <laughs> where funny. Grant came from, but but uh, no, uh, fellow Irish person, hello, hello, good to have you here, and uh, it's it's just really good to sit here and talk about the kids. We're going to talk about educating kiddos, especially or well, more specifically with uh, with art, which is what Carrie does. So let's. Yeah. Start with the basics first. Tell us about your journey thus far, where you teach, how did you become interested in teaching kids, what do you enjoy the most about it? Just just your, your take and all, all that. All the things. All the things. All the things. <laughs> um, well, I didn't go back to school till I was 31. So my first year back was 2001 yeah. when 9-11 happened. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, it was intense. And I thought I was going to go into nutrition until I started looking at the science requirements and went, right. no, no, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom said, Carrie, you need to be a teacher. You're so good with kids. And because my mom said it, I balked at that idea. I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but she was right. It's it wasn't my was, idea. Yeah. Wasn't, it was what I was supposed to do. And um, I haven't regretted it once. Um, yeah. So I graduated and got hired right away. Which was really fortunate for me. Wow, that's actually pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I started at Sorensen um, before it was a magnet school. Cool. Yeah, and my f- first year I taught first grade, and it was such a learning curve, but it was so good. First learned, grade, um, first yeah. job, first, first grade. Yeah, yeah, and I wow. thought I, I thought I wanted to teach older kids, but it was so good. Yeah, so good. And then I did a, a two-three multi-age class, and that was the year they tried to shut Sorensen down, and we rallied. And which what, when was that? Uh, 2006, 2007. Okay, I wasn't here yet, so yeah. I didn't even know that happened. That's yeah, they, it was a declining enrollment, so we didn't have the, the growth of the families downtown area like we do right. now. It was all up north. So they were like, yeah, it's you know declining enrollment. We're just going to get rid of this school. Mm-hmm. And the whole community rallied and said, no, you're not. Right. We love this school. And so we came up with the concept of this magnet school for the arts and humanities. And there was a whole, I mean, it was everybody. Mm-hmm. And worked tirelessly to slush out what we needed to, to really build this school. Mm-hmm. And it, it's doing great. It's thriving. Yeah, Sorensen is so valued in this community. Yeah. I mean, everybody seems to really love Sorensen. Everyone yeah. wants to get into Sorensen. Yeah. It's such a cool school. I like the fact that we have a magnet school at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some things to that too, but yeah, because uh, I left and I, because my heart's always been with lower income families. So I went to Bora and I was there for three years and it was such a learning curve and mm-hmm. such a good experience. Mm-hmm. And then I took a year off work to take care of me because I had personal stuff that had happened. Right. And I went, okay, I need to just take care of me for one year. Mm-hmm. And then they said, okay, well, you have a job back in the district. But I didn't know what it was going to be. And people kept going, well, are you going to apply? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, no, I'll just, I'm fine with whatever it is. Just give me kids. I'll be happy. Right. And then they called me and said, okay, your assignment next year is teaching art at Nexa and Ramsey. Yeah. And Nexa is an expeditionary school. Okay. And so it's so, project, project-based learning. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I went, yes. Yeah. Yes. This is my dream job. Hands on. like. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, just both school, just teaching art, period, is a dream for me. Um, I got my master's degree in arts integrated curriculum and instruction mm-hmm. in 2012 through Leslie University. So it was like a cohort of 12 of us. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Built some really strong friendships through it and really solidified my philosophy of education. Mm-hmm. And that, and the integral part that the arts play in developing a whole human, and right. 
school does a great job of teaching the basics, but when you get the arts included, it changes things because you're hitting multiple learning styles. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing school doesn't touch on because it's archaic. Right. Our school, the way we do school, public school, hasn't changed. No, not really since it was developed. No, it hasn't changed since it developed. And so it creates this mindset that's kind of stagnant, really. Mm-hmm. But when you start including the arts and infusing those into what you're already learning, mm-hmm. it's a really rich learning experience for kids yeah. and for the teachers. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, and you're totally right. I mean, when you're able to get your hands on stuff, we're going to talk about that in a bit, but it it's so much more... Um, I don't know. There's only all the things. It's so much more engaging. It's easier for people to pay attention because you actually have to physically do something right. as opposed to just sit there and in a nice, neat line and listen to someone. <laughs> listen to someone lecture, which we don't like that as adults. Why do no. we force that on our kids? Like, right. It doesn't make sense. Every college class I've ever been in that is purely lecture-based, depending on the class. Right. Some classes are more interesting and some professors are more interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, anytime that it's just like straight lecture, you're going to lose people. I mean, it's just sad that you're just like, I, I've watched so many times looking around in college classes like, oh, we're losing them. Like, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. Yeah. The back row's gone. <laughs> Even the front row, but they're just keeping their eyes open. Right. They have to. We, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So as far as, as far as, well, you, you kind of touched on some of this. I mean, how has your career affected your perspective on the people in your community or the health of your community? Oh, man. Being a part of what we did at Sorensen, that took community to make that happen. Right. Truly took community. And it had solidified this uh, beautiful thing that happens when people come together for a purpose. Because mm-hmm. that's the only time we can have change. And that's the only time we make a difference is when we come together. Mm-hmm. And it built connections and relationships that I hadn't experienced in my life before. Really? Yeah. And it really made me feel rooted. And I was living in Post Falls at the time, but I brought my kids over and got us a place over here mm-hmm. that was actually a house of a parent of kids I taught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I rented it from them. So it was, that's what happens though. Honestly, my, my closest friends are parents of kids I've taught. That's just, it happens. That's really cool. I mean, has it changed the way you see human beings in a general sense or are your observations more would you say minor in scale? Totally changed so much and it's always evolving because if you're open and you're willing to listen and hear different perspectives and ideas, mm-hmm. you're gonna change. I mean, and it's gonna, it's just gonna build, either build what you already believe and solidify it or open you up to new ideas. Mm. So I would say my eyes have been opened. Through, just through the work you're doing. Just through teaching. I learned so much from my colleagues and from the district people and just and from parents you learn so much from parents i learn the most from the kids like that's that's where it is it's amazing what kids will teach you uh-huh. if you that's just true. if you just shut up for a minute yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i need to work on <laughs> <laughs> no it's it's amazing i mean mm-hmm. when cuz part of what i talk about on the show a lot often in repetition is the fact that we have to learn how to listen to each other we have to learn how to learn from each other again and i think it's proper to say again because right now the age in which we live is just really fascinating in so many ways but one of the ways is just and we've talked about this before mm-hmm. about just how 
crazy it is, how hard it is for people to listen to each other these days, which is really strange because one of the oldest form of communication in human history is spoken word. Mm -hmm. So why is it so impossible for some people to just, you know, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of answers, which we're not even going to talk about today. Yeah, there's <laughs> but, that, I mean, that's a whole topic on itself. Oh, Probably yeah. multiple oh, podcasts yeah. for that one. You bet. I mean, you could probably do a whole show on it. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's one of the great problems that I'm sort of trying to figure out and, yeah. and, and because it's so vast, there's so many things to touch on there. Yeah. But when you're talking about teaching kids... Yeah. That's the that is the future. And, it is. You know, kids' imaginations are the future, right? Totally. It just yeah, they they are our future, I and mean, we and we need empathetic, compassionate humans in our world. And for some reason, us adults don't have that right now. And mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's fear based or if it's this is what I believe, and I don't want anybody challenging it, and I'm not going to listen to anybody else who has a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've kind of gone in that pendulum swing a little bit yeah it's awfully strange isn't it yeah. like you you see a lot of folks well it's like it's almost like we're listening to what we're told about other people yeah and one of the things i've mentioned before is that it's important to think about the perspective of where you live in your community how yeah. how much of an effort has have you made to get involved in your community how yeah. much of an effort have you made for example to uh, let's say meet your neighbors. Like right. it's amazing to me, and myself included. Right. How you know how few of my neighbors I've actually physically walked <laughs> over and met. You know, like some great ones across the street. By I the do way. Th those guys. I know. Yeah, they're <laughs> fantastic. I love them. Those guys I know. Um, yeah. You know, they they come into the store a lot, and and you know, I've I've met random people throughout the years, but it's it's. Uh, it's so incredible to me how few people know the people that live on their own street. <laughs> um, you know, I've had I've had friends of mine that I didn't even realize lived in the right. same neighborhood in this neighborhood here. Right. And I've just been so surprised so often, and it's really opened my eyes right. to to understand. Oh gosh, like what if something happens? Yeah. What in what emergencies? You know, you, we all are like, oh, I have one emergency contact or two emergency mm -hmm. contacts, but. God forbid someone's breaking into your house, right? You know, or or whatever. It's important to to understand what a community can offer you, right? I think it's too easy these days to get lost in the well. What's in it for me mindset? Yeah, you know? there's so much to that. Like as you're talking, I'm just thinking of First Sesame Street came into my head. Yeah, who are the people in your neighborhood like that? Just, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's how my crazy brain works. But like you're right, we don't always yeah. know our neighbors. Fortunately, this little pod I know well. This little area because here. Because I'm actually yeah. off the same street too, just down blocks. Yeah. Which you didn't know, and I didn't know. Right. Um, yeah. Fun fact: <laughs> Carrie and I actually live really close to each other. This, yeah. this interview worked out really, really well. Yeah, it did. I was like, oh hey, just come on over. So, <laughs> so here she is. Yeah. Yeah, but so the last few years, this has just been something. I've been thinking about a lot was this fast food industry mindset that we have in our country hmm. where we just expect things immediately. Yeah, the minor convenience it, but it, it, But it's like, it's almost an institutional thing from the top down in our country. And it's not just fast food, but we just expect immediate results. So we expect it in our education system with our kids. You bet. If you do yeah. this, then this should happen. But that's not always the case because not everybody fits in that mold. Right. Because we're all unique individuals and I think that ties into that where we don't always want to see people as being different than us and mm -hmm. still being right right or still being good people and we don't want to let go of this tunnel vision of this is the way I live 
and you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna speak into it. You don't have that right. Instead of going, yeah. it doesn't mean anyone's speaking in or judging. It means that we're just open to learning about one another. And you know, the amazing thing is, I think once you once people do get past, at least in my experience, when when you're able to allow yourself to get past that border of being afraid to listen to somebody or and again I don't know if it's purely fear I know for some people it's fear based for sure but uh, for whatever it is whatever block people have when they finally are willing to listen to someone and actually really care about what they're having to say it's actually pretty amazing how beautiful that ends up turning into totally. like it, it really ends up being a good experience my yeah. family for example disagrees on <laughs> Damn near everything. I mean, we <laughs> we we all love each other I- incredibly. Yeah. So, but it's it's so funny when when all of us get together. It's it's rare that some kind of disagreement you know doesn't take yeah. place. Like it, we, but we tease each other about it. Right. You know, it's it's not. Right. We're past the point of becoming enemies. Like that's not even a thought. It's like isolating yeah. each other. Why would you do that? You know, it's yeah. like if we disagree. That's part of what makes our relationship so cool is because it adds a layer of complexity, I would argue, because yeah. it's it makes your relationship really interesting. Yeah. If everyone agreed with everything you ever said, I'm not sure how interesting life would be. It would be boring. It would be and awful. we don't realize that it would be. I mean, we'd just be like... Yeah. Um, what's that? I'm thinking of a kid's book. The Giver. Yes. It's just, it's that type of... And there's so many books that are like that. Oh, that, yeah. Everyone looks the same. Everyone does the same thing. You have specific jobs, specific roles, but it's, it's black and white. There's no color. It's a rather eerie thought, I would it's say. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really strange. I, I've just never really yeah. quite understood that. No, I think there's some <laughs> distrust stuff with that, too. And I think some of it is people are afraid of being judged. Yeah. And that's a cultural thing, I think, for us. I think, for, I think definitely. I think in America... And I, I have to be careful with this, but I, I do think that anyone would agree that we, we really focus on our own space here. We like to have our own space, mm-hmm. our own things, our own yeah. houses, our own land. Oh, yeah. And that goes back into the very f- like founding yeah. fabrics of our country. Totally. And that's great and all. Right. It really is. But I think it's just very important to remember exactly what you're leaving out sometimes totally. if you if you take that to the extreme yeah. you know maximum. Yeah. So <clears throat> so anyway, we've kind of got off on a tangent, but you're <laughs> well, you're totally right like yeah, what were you going to say? I had this experience like last week, the two weeks ago at school and we were doing some veterans day projects mm. and the fifth graders were doing this project and one of the kids, a couple of kids that came and said, "Oh, so and so wrote that veterans aren't heroes." And I said, okay. And the one girl says, she goes, well, I guess that's his opinion. So he's allowed that. He's wrong, but it's his opinion. Right. That's, that, you know, those are her words. And I said, you're right. It's his opinion. And so I had talked to this student about it and he explained why. And I said, I'm not mad at you. You're not in trouble. You have every right to feel the way you do. And we talked some more and gave him some examples of different ways veterans are heroes and yeah. personal examples from my family members. And um, he came to me today and said, can I redo this project? Because I feel bad that I was so disrespectful. Oh, wow. And I said, well, what changed your mind? What What was the flip for you? And he goes, well, I talked to another teacher and they helped me see it in a different way. I said, okay, that's up to you. But yeah, you can, you totally can do that. How cool is that? I, so mature. Yeah. So mature. And roughly what age was this kiddo? Ten. 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 Ten and, and understanding yeah. that it's okay to be wrong sometimes. Yeah. Like... I've always loved, at least in my education, 
I've loved it when I mean it's a challenge for sure. It's right. it's always a little ego pop, but right. who cares? <laughs> so like when exactly. when you get your little ego deflated a bit, that that is an opportunity. You just gain so much more out of that potentially, yeah, yeah. but it really does depend on you. Yeah, it we growth. Growth. Yeah, and we had just a cool conversation that day that that happened in class. I bet. And and they said, "Here's the thing. He's entitled to his opinion." Right. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I respect his viewpoint, and I understand where he's coming from and why he's saying this. Because mm-hmm. he explained why, and I get it. I still didn't agree with it. And they said, but this is what we call empathy. Mm-hmm. And when we have empathy in one another for, or for one another, that builds compassion. And when we can build that, we build a community. Mm-hmm. And so it just ended up in this really cool discussion. And this is art class, right out loud, but this is... That's teaching. Right. Constantly. This is what you do. Well, and, and you know, I, I think, uh, who was it? I mentioned this episode or this interview to somebody, and I forget who it was now, but but someone had asked me, how are you going to tie art class into sustainable communities exactly? And I was like, well, think about it for a sec. Just yeah. just think about it. Like, art and school in general, but, but definitely art, opens up so many doors and I know you already know this yeah. like it's crazy what you can accomplish with say a hard-hitting painting or I mean so many artists have already done it provoked yeah. such thought and mm-hmm. such statements with such simple simple things simple things sometimes yeah. maybe a sculpture or a painting or, or whatever right or a theater production theater or production a or, or yeah. yeah a well-taken photograph or yes, you know yeah. the, these things are, are it's pretty incredible what art can accomplish and but yeah so so let's let's move on a little bit so <laughs> <laughs> so no more I'm, bird walking <laughs> yeah let's yeah <laughs> so i'm sure i'm sure you've heard people probably parents say something like i'm not an artistic person or i could never draw or paint or play music or whatever right you always hear people go oh i i don't have the art uh, gene or whatever like that what's your opinion on that mindset and how do you respond to those comments everyone's an artist everyone is we're just artists in different ways everyone can learn to draw i mean we all learn to walk we all learn to talk you know we have the capabilities of doing so but everyone can learn and everyone is an artist i mean our lives are a piece of art the way we live it the way we have relationships with people communication all those things are art now that's a beautiful way i'll I'll stop you there because that's a beautiful way that's a beautiful (laughs) way (laughs) to to think of things i I haven't actually thought of it that way that's that's really interesting the whole idea of our lives being an art form in a way it is now that's fascinating to me because so we'll pause on that for a sec because now I'm like, now you got me, you got my attention on this one because yes. that's, that's really, really interesting. I haven't actually thought of that at all because I think you're that's you're really onto something there. I mean, there's a lot to unpack in life. I mean, life is a big freaking mystery a lot of the time. Um, a lot of us have a lot of hard time just getting through the basic version of life. Right. And the idea of it being an art form, I mean, can you expand on that a little? Well, think of it this way, I guess, you know, people write blogs and a blog would be considered a piece of writing or a piece of art, Mm -hmm. but who's doing the blogging? It's the person and the person's usually sharing their story, their history, their lives. And that is their art. I love how that idea of art being associated with a story, because it is, isn't it? I mean, every good piece of art has a story to tell. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. And there's sometimes they're controversial and then. You bet. Um, which has been going on, and I don't know a lot about what's going on. 
with a piece of art that was just taken down, but I know it's, you know, it sat for three years and then all of a sudden it's gone and because of... Which one is it? It was the one that was a sickle. It was done for, it was, I think, down the river still. I'm not positive on that. It was, and it, the art commission had it put up and it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, it was done very thoughtfully and it was, the piece represented mining, coal mining. Mm. People took it offensively as something else. Which happens with art. Art, right? Art stirs the pot often. Very often. Makes people yeah. uncomfortable. But and I'm guilty of it too. It's easy to see something and be offended, which we shouldn't be. It's not intended mm-hmm. to hurt anyone. And it's, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about <laughs> this artist making a statement, and the statement was actually pertinent, especially to this area with the mining that we have here. We didn't have coal mining, but we have mining, and mm-hmm. it affected the lives, and it still does. Of the people in this community. Right. Um, and it's unfortunate that it happened the way it did. And there's a lot of really negative stuff going on with it that's affecting personal lives. Yeah. And it kind of just makes you sad that right. it has to go that far, that people can be that cruel. It's it's rather disappointing. It's, it's, you know. We're you human beings and we're all doing the best we can. Mm-hmm. And we make mistakes in that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean we have to be cruel or threatening. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, that's taking it an extra step. It I really think, is. You know. It's sad. Yeah, it's just sad. Well, that's 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 Let's a get fascinating off that thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the good stuff. <laughs> let's yeah. Let's do some jumping jacks. Let's let's get up and. Are you ready, kids? Let's okay. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna rely on you for that one. You're no. you're you're my distraction, <laughs> like master over here. You're the one who wrangles the cats all day. I pretty do much. Yeah. all day. Thanks for listening to the show today, folks. Taking a quick break here to let you know that there is now an official Patreon page where you can donate whatever you can to support the show. Just go to patreon.com slash sustainableculturepodcast to do so. Any little bit helps, and it all supports the show's long-term growth. This is, of course, completely optional, but it's certainly much appreciated as I do this show on my own spare time. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Carrie as we continue to explore artistic expression in our community. There's a multitude of studies regarding art and how it affects the brain. Okay, mm-hmm. we kind of barely lightly touched on this yeah. sort of earlier. You right. were talk- talking a little bit about this. But before we really get into that, I'd like to get. I'd love to hear a testimonial or two from you, maybe. Um, <laughs> how have you witnessed art affecting your students' lives, even at young ages? Now, you talked about one story, which right. was wonderful. You know, yeah. I'm sure you've seen a multitude of yeah, tangible um, results, how art yeah, affects people. Yeah, um, because there's a multitude of learning styles. Mm. And when we teach in a classroom, we don't always tap into all those learning styles. I was one of those kids that I guess I would have been labeled an indigo kid. I just think and process completely different. Right. And I struggled in school until college, and I had a great teacher, Mr. Nelson, down at NIC, math teacher, <laughs> who picked up on some things that no one else had picked up on, flipping numbers and lots of transpositions, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it helped me, like, greatly. <laughs> it changed yeah. my world a little bit. And But kids, I, I've watched kids who had the student, it was third grade, struggling reader, not, I mean, he could read, just not fast. And we do these time tests back to that whole mm-hmm. immediate. Yeah. Um, and he could, his comprehension was great. And this kid is amazing. So he really got into juggling, got into it. And he would juggle. And then he started juggling on a globe. 
and then he was juggling while on a unicycle, and then playing the harmonica while juggling on a unicycle or on the globe. This sounds like a an act straight out of Portland, Oregon. It, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Portland. Yeah. Um, he, and he actually has his own business now based on this. Wow. Um, yeah. It flipped his reading. So that cross-hemispheric right-to-left brain was happening for him when he started doing an art. And now, now you're it, touching on some really interesting stuff, actually, that yeah. is going to be a whole other episode that I've actually, <laughs> because actually it's really fascinating how, um, and, I, and I've actually interviewed someone from this company already, Spolster Family Chiropractic. I don't oh, know yeah, if you yeah, know yeah. I know who they are. Yeah. yeah I don't um, know them personally, but I know who they are. Yeah. Gotcha. Dr. Hannah did uh, an interview with me one time, and we talked about women's health, but one of the programs that goes on at Spolstra is uh, now I don't want to I'll, I'll just very You're vaguely fine. paraphrase on this because it's I don't I'm not involved with their program but essentially they work with with a lot of kids with you know every all kinds of different learning disabilities mm-hmm. and, and what they do is they they practice brain activities and stuff that, yeah. that is meant to exercise yeah. specific parts of your brain and it's amazing the results that that are coming out of that the research on that is huge right there's a whole it's the thing future that came out of seattle called the brain dance okay i'll have a book i can loan it to you so i'd you love can, to it's read it really fascinating stuff and, the brain dance mm-hmm, and it's just movements that you do that are very specific and targeted mm-hmm to like for tracking like following one thumb up following it down following the other thumb up and crossing your hemispheres so crossing your body and spinning certain ways just it's very targeted and there's so much research that backs that i can't give you the exact research because yeah. i don't have that locked in my memory right it's not right that's here not, yeah. <laughs> that's not how my brain works but yeah. the arts do that they do that kids sit for what seven seven and a half hours a day it's such a crazy long and time for kids. To it sit. is. Yeah. I mean, we. I mean, PEs once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get their recesses, but it's minimal. Like the physical activity that happens in schools now is so minimal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get a kid up and say, "So I'm really into arts integration." So, so we'd take a song. Mm-hmm. This great song from this old movie. That was called, um, oh, what was it called? The Point. And the movie's called The Point, the Point and okay. it's from the 70s. And um, Harry Nielsen does the music for it. And one of his songs is like really vivid. And so our teacher did this with us in our master's program where we had to do tableaus for the different parts of the song and move into three different positions of the tableau yeah. for the stanzas. So when you when I did that with my students, they're they're physically showing their understanding of what those words mean. That's interesting. And it takes too. the comprehension to a whole different level, especially for yeah. kids who are kinesthetic learners that have to move to learn. And I'm so glad you mentioned the kinesthetic <clears throat> thing. I'm actually a kinesthetic learner myself, yeah. it, which is kind of, a, if I understand it right, it's a mixture of show me and show me visually and show me Absolutely. hands-on. Yeah, it's yeah, a mixture yeah. of the two. Or I have doing, to, doing and, it with yeah, your body. Yeah. Right. You need instruction yeah. as well as doing it. Yeah. it. It's a mixture of the two. And it, it really just... Is, it's actually a really fun way for me to learn. I mean, granted, it's the way that I am. Right. right. <laughs> well, a lot of kids who learn this way, it's it's so immersive. Yeah. And it exercises so many different parts of your brain when you get immersed it like does. that. And if you understand that that's how you learn, then you can go into any learning environment and know what you need to do for you. Right. And you can and make that known. powerful. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's empowering for a student to go, I'm a visual spatial learner. Mm-hmm. I need to draw. I have students who need when I was teaching in a classroom, they would doodle while I was talking. I'm okay with that because I'm the same learner. I, right. I have to doodle 
it helps me focus on the speaker. Right. And it may look like I'm not listening, that I'm disengaged. I'm not at all. I'm completely focused. Yeah, I was a doodler too. Yeah, yeah I, just sit here messing mm-hmm. around. Yep. But it helps me focus on what's being said. And right. I can return to doodles and go, oh, yeah, that's You know what's interesting? I had a... Um, so I worked for uh, Whole Foods for a little while mm-hmm. when I lived in Portland, in fact. And they uh, had one of the coolest training programs, or, or rather orientation programs that, that I've ever seen. We were all just, all the new hires were sitting in a big room and it was, you know, it was a pretty typical new hire thing in the way that it's like, you know, here's what the company is all about, here's right. our policies, things like that. And so it was like a day or two, I think it was a day long class. And, and one of the things they did, I've never seen this done before, but they had these contain these big old containers. It looked like a kindergarten class because there was just all these fidget toys. Oh yeah, those a are whole rad. bunch. They had yeah. the little pipe cleaner things. They had connects. They had all these different things, different toys you could play with while you were listening to that. And it was actually pretty incredible how attentive yeah. everyone was in that class. Yeah, I was sitting here fidgeting the whole time. Because of, you know... I, but you were engaged with the But speaker. I was completely engaged. Yeah, Otherwise, I would have been tapping on my leg. I would have been Fidget like... with the pin. It would have been something. <laughs> it would have been... It would have been... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That right there. Yeah, no, I do that too. I'm the yeah. same way. <laughs> it's totally like, way. yeah, to the begrudge of everyone else around like, you. Yeah, you know? or the tapping. I'm a tapper. Yeah. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. Whether it's a pencil or... I've right. learned to move my toes inside my shoes. Oh, gosh, and yeah. And I teach kids that, like, you know, no one's going to know. No one's going to know, yeah. <laughs> no Just one don't... can see. You're yeah. not going to get in trouble to it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, it's amazing. Um, the people who have really tapped into that, I yeah. think they're seeing some really awesome results. They are. I mean, you look at Google. Google's, well, yeah. Google's workspace. Mm-hmm. I actually used to live in the Bay Area. Yeah. I've driven by that campus a few times. Yeah. Which, by the way, is incredibly massive. Yeah. For, for any campus to be. Right. But um, yeah, they, they absolutely have figured out, like, because I actually used to work with a guy whose wife worked for Google. Oh, okay. And so I heard a lot of stories about things that they had. I worked for a music lesson facility at the time, and I was trying to get Google as a client. Right. To, 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 to uh, you know, have like a discount, you know, thing. Right. Um, so it was like, you know, come on, just send all your employees to my music program. Give me discounts and, uh, Googler. And in typical Google fashion, they were like... Oh, we have a music lesson program for our employees. Right. You know, they have that. They have a bowling alley. They have right. a tennis court. They have yeah. all this stuff, right? They, yeah. they they have figured out, and, and of course Google would, you know, like a lot of these innovative companies have figured out a long time ago. Because they're outside the box. Right. Their mindset is completely different. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's actually a really good segue because <clears throat> there's actually several different studies which do claim that art when practiced at any skill level actually stimulates what some have called the what i've read is the conceptual relations mm. in our mind yeah um art historian who i just researched uh, gregory minasali i'm not sure if that's correct uh, correctly know, I, pronounced yeah i don't know um but he has claimed for example that people view conceptual art sort of like a puzzle which therefore allows your brain to treat it like solving a mathematical equation or a proof what do you think about that? Totally. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Well, art and math are so connected. It's crazy. There's just so much to it that is so connected, especially when you, you talk about musical art and well, even just art. I mean, it's it's math. It's puzzling. I, I totally agree with that. Um, One, two, three, a, four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a program at the Mac Museum, and I was fortunate to get to be a part of it a few years ago through Sorensen called uh, Visual Thinking Strategies. Hmm. And it's a way of talking about art, but 
it's not you talking about art to students. It's you showing a piece of art and allowing kids or students to talk or adults about the art. I would use it in my classroom before I was going to do a specific, I can't even talk, specific, there you go, <laughs> story with my kids. And I would find a picture that went with that, like a painting. Right. And I'd show it to them and I'd go, what do you see? What do you notice? And I'd just let them talk. And they go, oh, I see, like, there's a man. And I go, oh, you think this shape here is a man? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a boat. So you think this right here looks like a boat. So you're not confirming or denying. You're just letting them go. Hmm. And it, the vocabulary development that happens from that and the conversations and the stories that they start creating in their head of what's really happening is what it's about. Conceptual visualization. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And it is interesting. And But it does, I mean, it, all of that is like solving a problem. It really is. It, yeah. Um, I, I, when I read it about a, an equation, but I think is more accurately a proof, mm-hmm. you know, in proofs, now I'm a math tutor, so I'm a total math nerd, but in proofs, you're basically given the answer. And right. you have to explain why that is the way that it is, which is much harder than solving an equation. That's why they don't do proofs until much later in math. But but I love the idea. You lost me at proofs. I know. I know. I know. I know. Every time I'm like, I'm a math tutor. People are like, you know. No, oh. I actually love math. Yeah. I didn't until I was an adult. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, once, once I started getting into advanced math classes, and this is where I show my total nerdism, is, is where I really started to enjoy it. Because you started to, when I got to um, integral calculus. Right. Which is, I think, Calc 2 for most people. Right. Um, I think NSC and U of I does it in like a, a big Calc 1 thing. Mm-hmm. It, anyway, they they it's really interesting how long a lot of those equations are. And I remember asking right. my professor one time, hey, our equations look like, you know, the movie ones. And he was like, what do you mean? Right. And I said, you know the, all the science movies where, you know, like there's stuff in the background. It's like there's some humongous equation in the background. You don't know what's going on back there, but they like are making a spaceship. <laughs> And he's like, he kind of laughed, but he goes, actually, that's not that far. Right. You know, we're, we're getting there. And that that's is pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And, and what was interesting is I wanted to play music more when I was in getting into more advanced that's math. That's because you were making the connections mathematically in your Well, head. and I was, yeah, and I was using that same part of my brain. Yeah. Which I didn't realize at the time, but... Yeah. But that's pretty cool stuff. I mean, well, you do yeah. you do know that when you play a musical instrument, you're using the maximum amount of your brain at one time that you can possibly use, right? Which is both hemispheres. Isn't that interesting? It's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I want to do an entire episode on music because you uh, it's it's so deep. <laughs> it is. No, it so is so deep. Yeah, and and I've heard you know there's lots of really cool TED talks and mm-hmm. and papers that I've read about how music and the brain works and and how it's connected to math and it is how it's connected to actually um, problem solving in general. It's yeah. really fascinating how how you can read about this, but it's also kind of un- unfortunate how few people. Yeah. Kind of go into that, which is kind of what I was mentioning earlier. You know, the people who say, "Oh, I could never do that." They can, but they can. They can. There's, there's, there's plenty of studies that actually show the really fascinating, yeah. huge impact that art has on people. Mm-hmm. Of any, you know, whatever art platform you use, right? You don't even have to be good at it. You can actually be outright new and beginner at it. I should say. And still get the same benefit totally. than if you were really skilled at it already. Totally, I. I, my students are always going, do you like this? Do you like this? And I go, do you like it? I won't answer them. 
Because they want my affirmation. And it isn't my affirmation they need. It's theirs. And I go, do you like it? Because we do this to ourselves. And it's we're always seeking this outside affirmation instead of trusting and believing in ourselves. Oh, you're touching on the most awesome subject for this question right here. Okay. How, so how do you You're think? That's, that's such a good segue. I love the segue. That's so great. I love a good segue. Um, well, so how do you think that teaching art to kids or art in general fits into the goal of building a sustainable community? Oh, man. I think we are watching it happen. We're watching it happen. Coeur d'Alene, just the Downtown Arts Association, just the, the downtown, what's happened in downtown Coeur d'Alene. We have this beautiful arts community. We really do here. It's amazing. And you've got people like Jenny Hegstead who started Emerge. And that started at, she was a Sorensen parent mm-hmm. who was helping bring Morris Cleary, who was an artist who just passed away. He was a beautiful man. Oh, right. Did these beautiful wooden books. And he did, he worked with us. Oh, so Jenny cool. and I worked with him as our first artist in residence, our second, yeah. at Sorensen. And people like her, um, Art Spirit. I mean, we lost a beautiful human there. And then Blair Williams has taken that over, and mm-hmm. she's doing a great job. She's also a Sorensen parent. I'm so glad that that <laughs> shop is still there, too. Oh, like, man, art spirit. A lot of people yeah. wondered about that when that no, was switched. Yeah, you know. it was really sensitive, I think, to a lot of the community members. But he helped build what's happening in our arts community. And when you have a school right down here that's so integrated into the arts, Mm-hmm. It feeds into that. But our community is bigger than just downtown. And we have these programs, Lake City Playhouse, kind of near and dear to the heart. I was on that board for a while. Um, We almost lost it a few years ago. Those people worked hard to bring it back. And that's theater and musical theater. Now, I have such a soft spot uh, for all art, really. But for theater, though? Yeah. yeah. Because I'm I'm a performer. I like to be in front of people. You know, it's I get that. Yeah. It, it, It is so precious to me and it's so unfortunate how many schools around the country have just like nixed theater wow yeah you know nixed arts in general here's something interesting so about six years ago seven years ago i had the opportunity a friend needed to travel back east and she didn't want to go alone Mm -hmm. for business it was gonna be like seven days something like that she's like do you want to go with me and i go i have to work but i got a hold of a school and was able to go visit and I, you know, I had to still pay for some. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah. It was worth it. Anyway, I went to the school in um, Hartford, Connecticut, and it was a performing arts school. And they were failing school. Inner city, Hartford, Connecticut. Hmm. And there was a federal program that had come out that saved these inner city schools and they became art schools. And the transformations that happened in those kids and in those small communities were huge. Mm-hmm. And their scores went skyrocketing. Sorensen scores have gone skyrocketing. Right. That's because we're not just teaching, we're connecting. And those connections are huge for kids. And we need them as adults. As adults too, I cannot learn if I can't apply what I'm learning to something I already know. Mm -hmm. I have to have that connection or it doesn't stick. And with kids, they're the same way. Yeah. I think I don't think I'm alone in that. No. (laughs) Learning. You're absolutely not. And it's huge. And to see that happen... To watch this failing school shine, like as a beacon of their community, is huge. And we're seeing it happen. And the arts are, we have to have them. And I mean, look what's happening. The theater here, we've got Aspire now. 
We've got CYT. Yeah. Like City Playhouse. There's another Redwood production, I think, or something like that. That's a brand new one. And I think Croc Center's doing Croc another Center one. Croc Center usually is with CYT or Aspire. Oh, are they? Okay, yeah. cool. That they, they just they use the space. But yeah. um just that alone, like I had a student who struggling reader and theater motivated him because he had to memorize his lines and he wanted to be in the theater because he loved it. It was his passion. Oh, man, yeah. So it dipped into his school. It dipped into his education. So those are crossing over. I mean, right. I've watched so many people, so many children, and now some of them are adults now. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But without that, yeah, I mean, they you, would have been lost in the mix. Definitely. And yeah. you, you look at this stuff and, and there's so many unfortunate instances where there's parents who don't look at a lot of the art stuff Maybe. as as like part of the um i guess for lack of a better term intellectual side of education right because it's it's so sad that they look at it that way because when you're looking at that i mean they have to memorize you're, you're talking about memorization mm-hmm. how hard it is to memorize i don't remember anyone's phone number anymore it's not just memorization you know? <laughs> though but you're not just memorizing lines you're memorizing placement on a stage placement song intonation how you're supposed to pronounce things connection with your body language yeah everything yeah. and how you're connecting with your peers right there is so much to that acting is hard yeah what you're huge. acting well is really difficult yeah. you know like e- even just i've even learned just in doing the podcast you know just it's really interesting how forming things and making sure everything is is doing that you know like right. any kind of acting or performing is much harder than people even realize totally and, and it practices those really, really <laughs> deep parts of your brain. You know, like for people like me, I'm mm-hmm. like, I can talk in front of a group of kids all day long. Give me a gym full of kids. I'm fine. Right. You throw the adults in there, I'm like... I, <laughs> <laughs> I got back from Ireland, I think, on May 18th. And on May 19th, I did the lit crawl. Yeah. And Emerge. And I read some of my poetry that was pretty raw stuff from a really rough time I went through. Oh, yeah. And I just went, I'm doing this. And I put it out right. there and they said, yeah, we're going to have you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> uh, I think I have to actually read this stuff. <laughs> out loud? Out yeah. loud. But um, that community is so supportive. It sure is, yeah. And I had people come up to me and going, hey, I saw you at that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That really meant a lot to me. Hmm. And I went, all right. That confirmed it for me. That's it's yeah. so important for us to be raw and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to do that is through the arts because you have to be. It's very personal. It's very deep. Yeah, but if it's you're a gonna... part of you that you're sharing and exposing yeah. to the world or to your community. Right. And it makes you vulnerable. And vulnerability is a strength. Oh, I love that. It's a that's, strength. that's powerful stuff there. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. I like. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Regular Gandhi over here. <laughs> oh yeah, people are gonna be like, I know her. <laughs> now there's there's many opinions out there from parents to family members about what needs to change in our education system. Right. Whoa now. Whoa now. Here, here we are. Uh, but I'm I'm curious to see, and we don't have to go too deep into this. This is a big subject, but we don't. But I'm I'm just curious what you'd like to see happen as a teacher. In 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 oh. general, you know, what do you think are some of the biggest, shall we say, areas of opportunity here? If we can train our teachers to infuse the arts, and I like the word infuse, hmm. because it 
it's not isolated. Mm-hmm. Integration is sometimes isolated. It's part of what you're teaching. But if you're infusing it, you're making it just blend in. And if we can do that with what we're teaching to kids, the learning is going to be so rich and rewarding. And it's I'm really passionate about it. And I'm fortunate to work at places where they allow me to be me. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> and, true. And ask for, what do you, hey, what do you, how can we, oh, let me help you with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got lots of ideas. <laughs> Let me share them. Yeah, I get excited about that. I like get really excited. Maybe look crazy. <laughs> um, it's it's my passion though. That's it's yeah. what I really value. And I wish I had some of it. I went to a private Catholic school as a little kid, mm. but we had a lot of arts opportunities there, and we we had theatrical theatrical productions every year. Right. And those things I'll never forget. Right. They're stuck. I mean, I remember dyeing wool, yarn wool with my sister who wanted to do it all natural. Mm-hmm. Like artichoke for green and beets for the red. Oh, how and cool. Different yeah. things for, you know. And learning, building a small loom and learning how to weave because this family who raised sheep yeah. came in and talked to us about what wool is used for. Right. So those connections, there. that was third grade. Mm-hmm. And I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> But I remember that vividly. Yeah. And I rem- I can see my my little loom, my little weaving. You I'd can like, remember oh, it totally. vividly, yeah. And I know what you mean. We, we had this group, a company come in with that was puppeteers. And we learned how to make puppets. I remember those things. They stuck with me, but they helped yeah. the problem solving, the critical thinking, the collaboration, those things that places like Google thrive off of. Right. That's what skills are brought to the table when we add the arts into education so my last question comes straight from the heart for me what wisdom would you share with the parents of artistic children or just children in general in regard to allowing our communities to become more prosperous and more sustainable over the long term oh that's a good question thank you yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I don't know. No. Yeah. I guess I'm. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm. We're done. You just answer that question. No. Um, <laughs> well, they're not going to be sustainable without the children being involved. Because who's the next generation? I mean, that's just a given. Hmm. That's you know, hands down. We know this. We know the answer to that one. Right. That's knowledge base. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but people like the the whole offensive over arts thing. Don't be offended because it's not aimed towards you. And allow yourself to be opened up and expanded by it. Because sometimes the lesson in there is bigger than the problem you're seeing. Hmm. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah. Yeah. And the value of that is huge. And if we can continue to allow our kids to be a part of that, imagine what our world's going to be like. It's going to be rich. Because we're going to have a lot of empathy and compassion and people understanding. You bet. Yeah. I mean, you just look at... I don't know, things like Hamilton and what's happened there. And I see kids talk about it. Or We need our kids to be a part of what our communities are doing. Because without that, they're not rooted or grounded. And who's going to continue building our community? I mean, we're going to get new people in that have great ideas, too. And we want that. Right. We want that. Sometimes it's not fun and it's uncomfortable because it's a rub of what we've always done and what we know. We want that. But we want people who want to continue this in our community. Right. That's our kids. It's our kids. And I and yeah. I would even add to that that if we are pushing for our kids to be involved in our community, and I think any parent really wants their kids to be I would involved. Hope so. 
Yeah. At least I would, yeah, I would sure hope so. Yeah. If we're fighting for that so hard, we're also fighting for, I guess, the opposite of isolationism. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because we fight so hard at the same time mm-hmm. to isolate ourselves. Yeah, So true. I think it's important to realize the dichotomy there. Like, that's... That's something we need to be careful of. And totally. I think it's it's really interesting how the same people that really push their kids to get involved mm-hmm. are the same people who try and be uber independent. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember what we're teaching our kids versus the example we're setting for them. Yeah, it's not that vulnerability piece. You just tapped right back into it. Yeah. People have a hard time with that. It's scary. Mm-hmm. And they think it's a weakness. Mm-hmm. And that if you're independent and alone, you're strong. It's not true. Right. If you're independent and alone, you're alone. You're just alone. You're just alone. But when you can be vulnerable and you can allow your community to be a part of your life and you can reach out and be a part of that community, your life is richer and your community is stronger. Not that you're doing it for that reason, but mm-hmm. that's what happens. We have to be vulnerable. <laughs> period. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie McGrath, ladies and gentlemen. Here she is. Thank you so much for coming. This yeah, is this welcome. was such a fun conversation. I have you know the biggest soft spot for art. I I, I just I, it's everything to me. It has been in my life, and and I just I can't thank you enough for contributing to this little podcast of mine and, and really trying to make yeah. this a, you know thanks for inviting more. me this was fun. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. And uh, <laughs> it, and if any of you guys have any questions that you would like to ask uh, myself or Carrie, please do send them in. It's sustainableculturepodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram. You can go to Facebook, all that good stuff. Please do let us know if you have any, you know, anything that you'd like to add to this conversation. This is a conversation that is surely not ending now. I hope not. Um, absolutely not. And uh, I hope to do more episodes on art and, and different factions of art, if you will, in the future. So thanks again for Thank you. coming over. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, I'm empty. The artistic capabilities of human beings rest within each one of us. Some of us were lucky enough to be encouraged to explore these tendencies early on or throughout our lives, and some of us don't get the chance until we're well into adulthood. But it's never too late to learn something artistic, and I would even say it's crucial that we do. Art is the key to opening our minds, and such a gateway into unlocking our empathic abilities. If we can empathize, we can learn, and if we can learn from each other, then sustaining a society gets a whole lot easier. So let's practice it together as often and enthusiastically as we can. Thanks again for listening to the show today. If you liked what you heard, please share with your friends and family on social media. And remember, you can always find the Sustainable Culture Podcast on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also remember, you can now donate to the podcast on patreon.com slash sustainableculturepodcast. Have a safe and happy new year, everybody. Have tons of fun bringing us into 2020. And as always, I'm Jet McLaughlin, and I'll see you next time.